0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. Amen. Thankful for the love of Christ, and it is the love of Christ that compels us that we might. Uh, walk in his ways and that we might walk obedient uh, to him. Uh, Jesus would say, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And uh, we are so grateful uh, to gather today and to open the word of God and to continue uh, in this series that we've been walking through. We are walking through Romans uh, chapter number 12. If you're a guest with us, we're going to finish out today. And we have been looking at just this this series and this thought of therefore. And, And the whole thought of that comes from uh, what we learn in Romans chapter 1 through 11 as we learn about the grace and the mercy of God. And we started this series and we said motivated by mercy, right? Motivated by all that Christ has accomplished on our behalf and the mercy of God that we have experienced in our life and the grace that has been extended to us that we would live our lives wholly surrendered to him. We would read the apostle Paul. He would say, I I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you might present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy uh, and acceptable, right, to God, right? That we would would surrender our lives, our wills, our way, uh, that we might walk in his way. And we would see that there's work that needs to be done, right? That there's a transforming, that we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, to the, to be pressed in to the, to the culture and the ways of this world that is around us. And we know there's so many things that are vying. Uh, listen, we're in a battle and there's a war raging for the hearts and minds of this generation, uh, of, of all of us in reality. And we know we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as, as we engage in the Word of God that we might prove what is what is acceptable and what is perfect, what is the will of God. And we said the will of God uh, we find in the Word of God, and it's to be transformed Uh, To look more and more like Him as we are conformed to His image, and so we uh, we continued in this series, and we said, "Listen, we we want to recognize, we want to have a sober self assessment. We want to know who we are. We don't want to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, uh, but we want to understand that if we've been uh, purchased and bought by the shed blood of Christ, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, then we are part of His family. We've been bought with a price, and therefore uh, we are children of God. And so we recognize those things, and we recognize, hey. God has put us together, right? We're a family. Yeah, we, we talked about all those that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, that, that we have experienced God's blessing in this year, that, that as soon as they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, they became us. That's what we saw in the early church, and we're a family, and a family that God has uniquely and diversely put together for his glory, on purpose, for a purpose. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us the ability uh, to use those for the glory of his name, not to glorify ourselves, but only to glorify him. And then last week, we said, what does this look like? Beginning in verse 9, we said, Hey, what does this look like when we live as the family of God and we love one another? And we said, Love, it's like a, a superpower, right? It's, a, it's like the thing that makes a difference everywhere we go when we extend the love of Christ, when we, when we love one another. Jesus said, A new command I give you. He said that you love one another as I have loved you. In John 15, Jesus would say that no greater love has any man than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. We Beloved, have experienced the love of God, and we are called to extend the love of God. And we're going to talk today about when love's tough. Anybody ever had tough love? Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember when I was growing up, uh, I, my dad got me a BV gun, and I, I was so excited to have that. And, and I began to play with it, began to use it, began to hone that thing in. And he was giving me some lessons. Like today, if you've got boys in trail life, the older boys are going to learn knife safety. Like we're, we're committed to like coming alongside a generation. Uh, and, and we just desire to see godly men raised up in our community and just super grateful for what God's doing there. And so we, are, we do some high adventure things. We're going to be doing a lot of things just with young men in our trail life. But, but today we're talking about knife safety and, and how to handle a knife and what to do. And when we think about those kind of things, right, my dad was trying to teach me, and he gave me this gun, and he gave me all kind of rules, he gave me all kind of boundaries, he gave me all kind of things that I was supposed to do, and in my rebellion, I know none of us have ever been in our rebellion, right? but in my rebellion, I said, you know, this thing's really cool, and and it shoots one BB at a time, but the little thing that goes in the end, if I don't screw it all the way down, and I pump it 1,074 times, it becomes like a rocket launcher, right? And so I did just that. I pumped it so I couldn't pump it no more. I unscrewed the little thing that held all the BBs in it, and I shot that thing like a, like a rocket launcher out into space one time. And it was the last time I ever shot that gun. Because Dad was watching. And I was in a mess, right? And I no longer had that gun. fact is, that gun no longer functioned after he took care of it for me. And I was really upset, right? It was tough love, right? and, 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 but, I, but I never forgot that and I always handled guns in a different way and I'm not prescribing how you navigate those kind of things, but that's what we think of when we think about tough love. But today, I want to kind of give you a, a different definition and I want to I wanna look at what the Apostle Paul and what we ultimately see Jesus call us to in the Sermon on the Mount is this love when it's tough. You know, it's pretty easy to love one another when people love us. Fact is, Jesus would say in Matthew 5 that uh, tax collectors and sinners do that. He said, don't get too excited over the fact that you're loving people who love you. He said, you're not really doing anything that's, that's counterculture. And we, what we would see is that Jesus would call us in the Sermon on the Mount to, uh, to live this, this radically different way of life, this way of life that, that is not... Uh, like the world that's around us, that's not pressed into the pattern of this world, but that's been transformed, that that sees things differently. You know, I thank God for a church that, that loves well. Uh, you know, yesterday behind the church back here, there were men that were uh, busting firewood so that it could be delivered in, in the season of, of cold coming up. Uh, there were men that were, were serving in that way. This morning, there's uh, those of you, many of you brought uh, shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child or you've packed one online and, you know, last week we had the blessing of, of helping as a church two families that uh, lost uh, everything in fires and we uh, we continue to just be encouraged by your generosity and the ability that we have the cause of that uh, to bless, right? We, we sent a check to the North Carolina Missions Offering last week. There's so many ways that we serve. And this week, you have an opportunity, right? We, we're doing these Thanksgiving blessings. And for those of you uh, that are familiar with those, uh, we uh, receive input from, uh, the, from the congregation. And so we desire to know people that are in your life that you know about or that you've encountered that could, it, could benefit uh, and just be blessed by uh, a pie and a gift card to a grocery store just to receive a Thanksgiving blessing to come alongside them in this season. And so uh, throughout this week, our Benevolence team will be preparing those and we'll uh, have the opportunity following service next week where you can pick up one of those and, uh, and go and, and deliver uh, that, that blessing to them. And with every one of those, there'll uh, be hopefully a, a message of, of love that our folks will share uh, we pray for open doors for the gospel. We pray for opportunities just to share the love of Christ, to uh, to, to let folks know that, hey, we just want to be a blessing. We've experienced the love of Christ, and now we want to extend uh, the love of Christ, and we just want to do that in a practical way. Uh, all of those will receive a card. You'll see this little card on the screen, and, and this uh, uh, this card is just a little simple thing that'll go in there, and, and they're coming in tomorrow, by the way. I was hoping they'd be here uh, today, and I was going to send all of you out with one of those. So you have to wait till next week to get it, right? But, but here's the, the, the way that these would work, right? They'll go in these blessings, and they also hopefully would be used by you uh, where when you have an opportunity that you might bless someone. So it might be you're in a drive through line, and uh, somebody's behind you, and you're like, Hey, how much is over behind me? 1,047? Hey, I want the next one. No, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> But, but you might have the drive-thru line behind you. You might pay for their meal and, and just leave that card uh, for them. It might be that you bless a waiter or a waitress with an extravagant tip, especially after they've uh, done, a, done a poor job or maybe it's been crazy busy or maybe you've had a hard day and you're like, hey, uh, here's a blessing and this is, this is a way uh, to show love. And so we, we hope that those things will take place. And you wonder, do those kind of things work? Uh, many of you remember uh, when we were focusing in on just this call Uh, for uh, engaging in the the fostering and and just uh, those uh, children that are in need of uh, foster and adoption. And when we were doing that, we highlighted a young man who graduated uh, last year from high school. His name's Israel Jackson, and Israel uh, was part of the Welch family. He became part of their family uh, by... Uh, Foster first uh, came through Baptist Children's Home and then part of their family. And then eventually uh, they received guardianship of, of Israel. And now uh, he's been, he was actually saved and baptized here at Calwee, along with the Welch's two other children, Tanner and Ashley. And it's interesting, they got to Calwee because somebody was in the drive through line in front of them and paid for their meal and gave them a card inviting them to church. And we see how God uses just these simple acts of kindness, these simple ways to love uh, in just an incredible way. Now when we think about those Thanksgiving blessings, you can fill out a, a form uh, in, the, in the back. You'll see some forms as you uh, leave. But there's also online at cowie.church forward slash events, you'll see Thanksgiving blessings. Uh, you can submit requests there and we'll get those and uh, prepare for those this week. Uh, some of you already submitted those and we've been preparing. And I just wonder in the room, has anybody submitted one of those requests for somebody that you just don't like? I mean, it sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? At first it does, right? And have you submitted like, I don't know, maybe it's uh, somebody that you would even almost consider an enemy, somebody that you don't like, that doesn't like you? You know, it's easy to love those who love us. And this week we're going to talk about tough love, love that's not natural. And and here's the thing, tough love is difficult. And I would say the love that Jesus is going to call us to The love that the scriptures will call us to is a love that is not natural. It's supernatural. And it's only possible in Christ. Maybe there's some of you here that, and I want you to think about somebody that's wronged you. Somebody that you might feel in that category. Somebody that you maybe have the hardest time with. Maybe it's it's an ex-spouse. Maybe it's a, a... a boss that you didn't get along with. Maybe it's, man, maybe some of you are here and you're like, man, you don't know all the things that are, have, have happened to me by this person. I want you to think about them. And you know, we hear, maybe you heard about the fellow, he went to the doctor and the doctor was checking him and he gave him a diagnosis. He said, sir, you have rabies. And immediately the guy looked kind of startled, got his notepad out and began to write on it. And the doctor said, hey, listen, you know, he thought he was filling out his will. He's like, hey, listen, man, it, you know, we've got a cure for that now. It's not near as bad as it used to be. We can get you through this. And he said, I know. He said, I'm just making a list of the people I'm going to (laughs) bite. Maybe some of you think that way, right? And maybe some of you know what it's like to be bullied. There's a lot of young people in here. Maybe some of you are are older and you still remember what it was like to be bullied. You know, we say those songs like sticks and stones, little rhymes that may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And you know, those are like big fat lies, right? Those are that they do, and, and you experience all those things. You put those things in your mind. How do you, how do you respond to that? How do you navigate that? And, and really, we're going to walk through the most challenging part of Romans chapter 12. We're going to walk through today uh, the faith response in light of God's mercy and grace, this cross-shaped love that we love with, right? Where we, where we seek uh, the glory of God, the good of others. That's our motivation for love. We, we recognize that that love, we defined it last week, is a cross-shaped action that glorifies God and benefits someone else. What does it look like when it's people we don't like? What does it look like when it's people that have wronged us? How do we respond to the person you might have thought of earlier? Will you stand together with me as we read the Word of God in Romans chapter 12? We're going to go uh, through the rest of this chapter, verses 14 to 21. Those of you that... Know how many verses that is. Know that will be a miracle in itself uh, for us to do this morning. But we're going to walk through those. I believe they're intended uh, to be together. So uh, as we read the Word of God, beginning in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, the Scripture says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil For evil to anyone, respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And finally, the last command, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. And God, we thank you that while the things that we read here, God, may at first seem impossible in our minds. God, we know that we see this model perfectly in Christ. And, Lord, we pray that as followers of Jesus Christ, those that have been purchased by the shed blood of Christ, that have repented of their sins and trusted in you, God, we pray, Lord, that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit. God, that we might live, Lord, not uh, simply for you, but, God, that we might live in a way of surrender. God, that would allow you to live your life in and through us. Lord, that we might be your hands and feet in a community. God, that we might extend grace. Where the world would say to retaliate, God, that we might extend love, Lord, that we might be a demonstration, Lord, of the grace and love that we have experienced in you. And God, we pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this room, God, that's not experienced the love and mercy, God, that the salvation that is offered through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, Lord, that today... Lord, that they would turn from sin and trust in you. God, that they would repent and believe the gospel. Lord, that they might pass from death to life. And Lord, we're so grateful, Lord, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. And we pray, God, that you would use our time together today, God, to cause us to leave different than when we came. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Now, you know, we read all that and the reality is this is not going to be easy. Right? We read those things, and it's like, man, this is, a, this is a strong call. You know, it's pretty simple. And a lot of things that we're called to in following Christ are very simple, but they're not easy. You know, the first thing we see in this passage, we, when we think about Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, we think about those who have been transformed. Uh, by uh, the renewing of our minds, and, and we're going to use kind of that thought. And as we look at this passage today, we see at the beginning of this chapter this call to be transformed, and at the end of this chapter, there's this call to be transformers, right? So we see this call from being transformed to transformers, those that would be uh, a, 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 a light in the midst of this work, in the, in the, of this world. And the first thing we see is that God calls the transformed to love when wronged. Look at verse 14 again, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Now that that word for bless in in the Greek, uh, it is a a word that uh, we would get our word eulogy from. It would mean to speak well. Right, and we think about that. Bless those who persecute you. Speak well. I'm, I'm thinking. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That, this is counter. This is not how we uh, think, right? And ultimately, like the greatest blessing that we give them is this this prayer for their salvation, uh, desiring God's grace for them, and when and we would pray for them. So you know, we think about blessing those that persecute us. Now, this is this is kind of crazy. Bless and do not. Now we can't wait till we feel like it. Last week we talked about love is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. It is a deliberate decision that we would make. It is a a choice uh, that we would make that is contrary to our nature. And in this, we, we choose to forgive in order to bless. We choose to, to, uh, to recognize that, uh, that, that we've been forgiven much. Uh, we, we think about forgiveness. We think about this, uh, this reality that, that we are called to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And some of you are saying, hey, you have no idea. You have no idea what's been done to me. You know, I have no idea what this person ha- has done to me. And we've all thought of that, right? We, we all recognize that. And I don't know. But I know that as we open the Word of God, that we can read what Christ has done for us. And it is only in Christ. It is only in His grace that we can do it. And forgiveness begins with a choice. And then we begin to pray. uh, And we begin, our our feelings follow uh, those decisions, right? Our feelings are not always in, right? There's a process that, that we walk through, there's a process that we begin to pray and we begin to seek God and we begin to pray God's blessings on someone that even has hurt us. And eventually our emotions kind of catch up with where we are at in there. Now the reflex, right? You ever been to the doctor and he hits your knee, right? And the natural thing is it like kicks out, right? It's that little reflex. Our reflex is to retaliate. The old man says, curse him. But God says, bless them. Now, how do we do that? Now, if we continue on in this passage, we're going to see how they transform love when they're wrong, right? Empathy first and humility. Those are two things that we see. Look at verse 15. We read, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who rejoice. Now, these are opportunities to bless, right? And and when we read these, we hear these a lot. And certainly, this should be true of us in the body of Christ. Certainly, this should be how we treat those that love us. This should be characteristics of followers of Jesus Christ in the way that we encourage one another. But I want you to understand, when we read this passage, this is modifying the text above. And what we understand, it is is that those who have hurt us, it is those who have persecuted us, it is those who have, have, have wronged us. And we have an opportunity when they are uh, receiving good to bless them. And we have an opportunity to rejoice with them when good things happen in their life as hard as that might feel. And we have an opportunity when difficult things come uh, to to mourn with them and and to, to come alongside them and to feel the pain that, that they're feeling, right? And, and to just mourn with them, to weep with them, with them right? You, you think about those things. It might be that you lost your job and somebody else got to keep theirs. And, and maybe you look and you say, you know what? I was a, a better employee. It might be that, that you play a sport and, and the other team won, right? Or maybe the, the person won the race that's against you. And then they're really arrogant and you're still nice to them at the end. Or you uh, maybe you, you, know, you could fill in so many blanks that are there. You, you, you are rejoicing with someone who got the promotion that you Want it? What does it look like, right? I, I read a, a, a little, uh, just story of a little four-year-old boy who uh, had an elderly neighbor, and this elderly neighbor's wife had passed away, and he saw the man on his porch, and he saw the man crying, and the little boy just ran over, and he climbed up in the man's lap, and his mother was kind of observing from a distance, and when, she got back, when he got back, she said, what did you say to him? And the little boy just looked at her, and he said, I didn't say nothing. I just helped him cry. You know, a lot of times, that's what we need to do, right? We need to be those people that will just come alongside in that way. And it's not easy to do that, especially when it's people that maybe have wronged us, people that have persecuted us, people that we have uh, just had difficulty with. Stuart Briscoe says this, uh, genuine, loving, empathetic involvement is debilitating and costly. To weep when you are more interested in having fun or appreciate another's gain when you are suffering loss is hard but necessary, if the evil of selfishness is to be overcome by the sheer goodness of selflessness. And it's tough to love that way. You know, we would see Jesus following the death of Lazarus, when he saw Mary hurting, we had everybody's favorite like memory verse, John eleven thirty 35, two words, Jesus wept, right? Yeah, that's, that's it, right? So we see uh, just this, this way, this empathy that's there. And we see humility, right? Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. right? Like as a church, God help us never be a place where the least of these feels less than those that this world would call superior. Like what if a homeless person and a celebrity walk in and they ought to be treated the same, right? And when we, when we love in this way, we want to make sure that we don't have a, a haughty or a holier-than-thou look when we're loving those that are going through difficult times, right? We, we don't want to have this kind of posture. And, and how do we love those, like right? when we think about the lowly, how do we love those that have no benefit, right? You know, it's, it's easy for us, and sometimes we, we think, man, our motive is pure, but how do we love those people that have nothing they can give to us, that bring nothing to the table, that have no financial or no, you know, sometimes we can love people and we're hoping that we get something in return. We don't like to admit that, right? But that's in our flesh. That's in our, our nature. How do we love those that bring nothing to the table? You know, I thank God for a group of men that go to the Macon County Detention Center every Tuesday night and love those men. That love the least of these, that offer them nothing in return. But we have experienced the love of Christ. And we have a responsibility. We, the Scripture would say that we're ambassadors of Christ, that, we, that we're to go. We are, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we are in a foreign land, right? We're not home yet, and, and we have a message, the message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel that we are To share, God calls the transformed to love when they're wrong. He calls the transformed also to love when they're wise. Because a lot of times we think we know what's best, right? That's what the last part of that verse said. Don't be wise in your own estimation. And and we think about that. A lot of times we think we know what's best, right? And you know, a a reality is that sometimes we can even be in church and we can be close to the things of God and we can miss the heart of the Father. You remember the, the story of the prodigal son, right? When he came home. And we saw, you know, we were singing Run to the Father, and we were singing, you know, just this, this truth. He, he experienced the grace of God when he came home. The Scripture said he came to his senses, and, and, and he, he kind of figured out his apology letter, all the things he was going to share. And, uh, and when he came, the Father was looking for him, right? and he ran, and he met him and embraced him. And he said, hey, you know, get, a, get out the best robe. Man killed a calf. He said, we're going to party. Like I, the son who has lost his family's home. And then there's rejoicing. And when and, and we're rejoicing in that moment, but there was one there that wasn't rejoicing, right? You remember the older brother? He was out in the field working, right? He'd been there all along. He'd been with the father, and he'd been out working all along, and the scripture says that he became angry, and he wasn't willing to go in. His father goes out and talks to him. His father goes out, and and, and he he begins to plead with him to come in and celebrate this lost son who had come home, and he says, Father, I've been serving you for all these years, and I've never neglected a command. I've, I've given, you know, you never even gave me a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. He says, you've never done anything for me, but you killed the fattened calf for him after he squandered all of his wealth with prostitutes after he's been out there in that mess, right? And this, this is the kind of posture sometimes that it's easy to get. in. And, and, and the father said, son, you, you've always been with me. All that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because your brother, my son who was lost, who was dead, right? has began to live. The one who was lost has been found. And right here's this older brother and he's not rejoicing in those moments, right? He's been in the Father's house, but he had missed the heart of the Father, right? The heart of the Father for repentance and and grace. And and instead of rejoicing, he was bitter. And we can be wise in our own sight, and we can miss the heart of God, the lost people that are around us desperately in need of his grace and his mercy. And so when we we feel like we're wise, we go to the Word of God, and we say we're going to submit to what the Scripture would say. Verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, and as, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. He says, listen, don't be the one causing the division. As far as it depends on us, we want to live in such a way, in such a posture. We want to respond with love. We may have enemies, right? Jesus had enemies. We, Paul had enemies. We're going we're to experience we're going to experience those kind of things, but let it not be because of our arrogance. Let it not be because of our, uh, the way that we handle things, right? We, 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 want to, we don't want to be people that are, uh, that are offensive and unloving, right? We want to walk in a way that as far as it is with us, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, verse 19, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, when we first read that, we can say like, can almost be like, man, the wrath of God's going to be much worse than anything I could do anyway. And we're saying, hey, I'm going to leave room for the wrath of God to be poured out on them in fire. And, you know, I mean, we, we can we can see that, but what we would understand, right, the heart of the Father would be reconciliation and repentance, right? And what we would understand is that we can trust that God in his grace, that he can accomplish his will in our lives, in the lives of those uh, that, that have wronged us. And see, the problem for us is not the desire for justice. We're created in the image of God and we desire justice. We desire what is right. See, it's not that we desire justice. The problem is that we want to be the ones to execute the justice. We want to be the ones to make those decisions, but we trust in a God who who is all-knowing and who is full of grace and truth, one who is merciful and kind, and he is just, and we trust in his ways, and we trust in his word, and we understand that God's grace is greater than all of our sin. As Clark prayed, uh, this morning, right? We some of you may have walked in here and you think, you know what? I'm I'm too far. I've gone too far. I've I've I, you you can't outsin the grace of God, right? They're, the the work of the cross. I want you to understand is sufficient for all sin, right? That Jesus, he died a sinner's death in our place, and whoever would believe and trust in him could find forgiveness and grace and mercy. We're reading verse 20 it says, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals. On his head. Now Paul uh, quotes Proverbs 25. There's there's a passage there, and some of you are saying, "Well, what is this heaping coals thing?" I don't know. Well, there, there's some there's some there's some suggestions out there, right? There's an Egyptian kind of tradition that says that uh, when someone had had wronged someone, that they would put a towel on top of their head, and they would literally put like heaping coals in a a pan or in whatever, and they would put that on their head, and it was like this burning, and it was this sign of contrition. Uh, there's another thought that says, "Hey, someone's fire had gone out, and they uh, had no coals to, to rest." Start that. And so they would go around, and it was kind of a sense of desperation or a sense of need, and they would get coals from other people, uh, and they would begin to do that. I don't know if either one of those are, are true. I, I think there's just this picture. It's like when we use the comment and we say, Hey, someone's coming with their hat in their hand, right? It's a, a picture of their posture and the way that they're coming. And I think there's just this this feeling of shame that our enemies uh, may, may experience when we return good for evil, when we uh, love instead of retaliating, that there's there's, there's a sense that, that perhaps there's a feeling of shame that our enemies would feel when we, ex- when we return good for evil, when we don't respond the ways of the world. So we see the transformed, right? They're called to love when they're wrong. They're called to love when they're wise. And God also calls the transformed to love when they're world-changing because here's what he's called us to do. As ambassadors of Christ, right, the, the Scripture would say that if you're in Christ that that you're a new creature, right? Second Corinthians five seventeen says, if anyone is in Christ, that he's a new creature; that old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new, right? And we understand that that in uh, this call, that we have been given uh, a mission, right, to go and share the good news of the gospel. And there's evil all around us. There's opportunity. All around us and those who have been transformed by his grace become those who will go out into this world. Ministers of reconciliation sharing the good news of the gospel. I want you to think of the person. Think of the people maybe that came to your mind earlier, things, people that have wronged you, people that have hurt you. The enemy says, hey, if you'll get even with them, if you'll retaliate, if, if you'll uh, have, have this, this vengeance, that, that it'll heal that wound that's there and it'll bring peace in your heart. But I want you to understand, vengeance never accomplishes that. It can't mend the wounds. Only grace can do that. And it's only God's mercy and his grace that, that can can engage in these kind of things. And God calls followers of him, he calls his people to be, people who, who will take the grace of the gospel and the power of the Spirit of God and, and to engage in this world in a way that, that evil would be overcome, not with our response of hostility, but with our love, with the mercy that we would extend, with the grace that we would extend. And the only way that we can do it is because we have experienced that grace. We have experienced that mercy while we were yet sinners, right? God in his mercy. In, in, in Romans uh, chapter number five. Turn back just a little bit. These won't be on the on the screen, but in Romans chapter five, the scripture would say. Uh, in, in verse 1 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ if you skip on down uh, to verse 6 scripture says this that for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for the ungodly that's you and I one will hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even die but God demonstrates his own, own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. In God's mercy and in his grace, we deserve the very wrath of God. But Jesus took the wrath of God on the cross in our place. The scripture says he became sin who knew no sin. Jesus lived a sinless and a perfect life and he took on flesh. He he dwelt among us, lived a sinless and perfect life and he took on all of our shame and all of our punishment on the cross and he calls us to be people, right, who will share the love of Christ with this world and will declare. See, the reality is that when we look at those who have sinned against us, we too were sinners separated from a holy God. We too, the scripture would say we were enemies of God and, and that in his mercy, that in his grace, that we have been redeemed, that we have been saved. And we go out and we live in a hostile world, not conform to the pattern of this world. But we live in a way Jesus would live if he was living his life in and through us. And if we are surrendered, and if we are transformed, that's exactly what's happening. Jesus living his life in and through you. God's on his throne. All is not right in this world in this moment. But he is the one who will avenge the wicked. He is the one who will reward. He is the one who will make all things new. We read of the great sacrifice of Christ on the cross and we're reminded how far that we have missed the mark. We're reminded how much we are in desperate need of his grace. See, God created us, sin separated us. All other religions say somehow you do all these things and you work hard and you can earn your way to salvation. Christianity says there's nothing that you could do to earn your salvation. There's nothing that you could do. And instead of us trying to somehow do all these things to get to him, what we understand is that he came to us. Jesus, who always existed, took a mission trip from heaven, right? And he stepped into the midst of planet Earth, right? He stepped into the midst of this broken world. He took on flesh and he became a man to die for mankind kind. He never stopped being God, but he was 100% God. He was 100% man, and he died a sinner's death on the cross. He he was sinless, lived a life that we couldn't live, and he died a death that every one of us uh, deserved. At 33 years old, he hung in my place on the cross of Calvary. He hung in our place on the cross of Calvary, and I hear people say, it should have been me on that cross, and while you were right about that, I'm thankful it wasn't you because it had to be him. It was only the sinless, spotless lamb of God that could die in our place we were dead separated from God because of our sins and he was very much alive we deserved the punishment that he paid we deserved the, the, the wrath of God to be poured out on us and he willingly substitutionally took our place on the cross of Calvary and he was placed in a borrowed tomb he died on that cross was placed in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he rose from the grave right showing that the father had accepted his sacrifice literally and physically he conquered the grave and I want you to know that he is alive the scripture says that he ascended into heaven and that he is seated at the right hand of the father and you might say why is he seated at the right hand of the father and I want you to know it was the same thing he cried out from the cross of Calvary the reason is to tell us that it is finished the work has been done and all who would believe and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ who would look to the cross and recognize what Jesus did on that cross it counted for me it was in my place and I believe and I trust in him, right? For all of those that that would repent of their sins and, and believe and trust in him, they would be made new. They'd be saved, born again, forgiven of their sins and on their way to heaven. And this morning I pray that everyone in this room, and it's my hope that everyone in this room, that they would know that they know that while they were sinners, Christ died for them. He made a way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And listen, if you've been saved by his grace, I want to challenge you today to love like Jesus. And it'll only come empowered by his spirit in you. I started a doc in my phone. I just named it Love. And I started listing people. And people that I have a hard time with. The neighbor that didn't think I was so great and and told me I was number one after I turned around his driveway. Like, Like all those things, right? People that you need to love on. People that you need to invest in. People right? that you may meet. Through your week, And I want you to think about how do you intentionally show the love of God? How do you intentionally love those that persecute you? Love those that don't love you? How do you love like Jesus and begin as an act of the will to demonstrate his grace and his mercy with hope that they would receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be born again into the family of God and redeemed and restored? And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've got your back turned toward him. You're saying, I'm going my own way. I'm doing my own thing. We repent and we believe the gospel. The word repent simply means a change of mind that results in a change of direction. So you're going your own way, and you recognize that you're a sinner this morning, and you say, you know what, I understand that I'm a sinner, and I'm separated from God in need of forgiveness and salvation, and there's nothing I could do to earn it. You turn from your sin and trust in the finished work of the cross, believing in Jesus Christ, surrendering to him, and he will save you. The Scripture says, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can pass from death to life this morning to be born again into the family of God. And so we're going to we're going to have an opportunity, right, to respond this morning to the grace and mercy of God. Uh, we'll have an opportunity this morning to sing, and we're going to worship our great God. I want to invite the band uh, to come. I'm going to pray for us here in just a second. And what we do during this time is we pray. Uh, I'm going to be at the front. If you'd like me to pray with you, if you'd like one of our pastors, some of our prayer team uh, to pray with you, then you come. We'd love to do that. It may be that you just want to talk to the Lord. You may just want to kneel, uh, in this altar we, uh, we're so grateful for that But then what we do in light of what God has done for us We pray, we bring, and we sing We, we, we come and we worship and we, we shout the greatness of who He is We pray if you have a need again come and pray Maybe that you want to give for the first time We're so grateful that so many of you give uh, Through our digital giving or through our offering But we come and we respond to all God has done for us Father we thank you for, for your blessings God, I pray, Lord, for every voice. God, those that are online, those that are gathered in this room, Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that you would help us today. uh, God, to respond to your mercy and your grace with love. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know you, God, I pray that even in these moments, God, even as we're uh, responding in this song, Lord, that for the very first time they would confess, Lord, to you that they're a sinner. God, that they would come humbly, Dependent on you. Just confessing their sin. And God, they would come and surrender. Or the posture of just repentance. Surrender to you, God, my life is yours. Lord, I pray this morning if there's anyone here like that, God, that you're speaking to this morning, God, that they would believe and trust in you, that they would call on your name, confess their sin, surrender their life to you. God, we know it's not the words of a prayer but the condition of our heart, our response to your gospel. And Lord, we pray if there's someone like that, Lord, that they would mention it, that they would let us know. God, whether it's through a card in the back of a seat or through coming up to the the front, Lord, at the end and just sharing with me. And God, we pray, Lord, that you give them courage to take next steps in baptism, next steps in obedience to you. And God, for the rest of us, Lord, help us. God, to be known by love, to love like you. And Lord, we know we can't do it in our own strength. It's tough love. The fact is, it's impossible love. Impossible on our own, but possible through the Spirit of God that lives in us. Lord, have your will and way in our lives. We thank you. We love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me? Let's worship our great God.